What up, what up, everybody? It's your boy, Jamie Mack, and welcome to another edition of the ADD Sports Talk. So, uh, you know what? Before I get into it, I got a great show, I think, for you guys today. Um, Obviously, going to talk about the um, AFC and NFC championship games, right? Give you a rundown of what I saw. Obviously, if you listen to the first show, then you know that as far as picking, I went 0 for 2. That doesn't happen very often, but I'm pleasantly thrilled with the fact that I wasn't correct. So I'm going to go ahead and run down those games, give you a recap, what I kind of saw, what I thought. Um, Also, um, I want to talk about this dude, that dude, the dude who I feel somewhere along the line made a pack with the dark side. And it's Tom Brady. I, 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 it's really hard for me just looking back over his career to either, either he's a saint and God is looking out for him or he's actually has made a pact and sold his soul for, you know, untold riches and fame and glory and all of that. Right. Um, so we'll see. I'm going to get into that. Um, also, um, I want to talk about, I don't know if you saw some of the videos out there of interactions between Vikings and Eagles fans, and it didn't end so well for the Vikings fans. Um, so I'm going to touch bases on that and really get into the you know the topic a little deeper as far as how far is too far when you're a fan? How far do you take it, right? Like, and, and what is etiquette? And like, who's really at fault? Like, it, you know, and you may be surprised at, at some of my opinions. Then again, you may be not. You know, I mean, it depends on uh, if you know me or not. And then I want to talk about one of my favorite people to talk about, LeBron. Um, obviously, the Cavaliers, if you you follow basketball, um, haven't been doing so well as of late. And in an interview recently, LeBron says some things to me, and, and, and I think that's just my deal. When LeBron talks, I read between his lines, right? He he says things, and he's the the uber passive aggressive, right? And he says some things over the weekend that I want to touch base on that I think <laughs> is just LeBron being LeBron. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm going to take it into parts, but I'm going to start off, you know, previewing the Super Bowl, um, kind of getting into it, you know, not too deep in the weeds just yet, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about it a little bit, what I think, um, you know, teams can do um, as far as teams, the Eagles uh, can do to get into um, a position where they actually could win this thing, right? And believe me, I don't. I would have never, I didn't think they were going to beat the Vikings, right? I mean, I just thought that the Vikings defense versus Nick Foles would be too much. (laughs) Boy, was I wrong. Well, before I just get into that, let's just go ahead and talk about these games. So first game of the night was the Panthers, I mean the Jaguars. I don't know why I keep doing that. It's a jungle cat. I don't know. But, um, you know, they wear black. Maybe it's that's the thing, you know. They the Jaguars wear black, and it makes me think of Black Panther. I don't know, but anyways, um, the Jaguars and the Patriots, right? I'm gonna just say Jacksonville. How about that? Jacksonville and New England, and it was going according to script, just like I had predicted, right? I mean, the Jacksonville defense was overwhelming 
the New England offense. And, um, you know, in that game, there was a lot of calls that didn't go Jacksonville's way. Some of them, I think, warranted. Some of them, not so much. So, um, you know, we'll just start off with the Gronk hit. A lot of people I'm hearing are saying that was a legitimate. I mean, they said it on the air. That was a legitimate call. That should have been flagged. And I 100% disagree. And this is why. If you watch the play, what I saw was a defender trying to shoulder check and use his shoulder in order to, you know, size him up. When that happens, the head's touched again. I was watching it with somebody, and they said, well, they touched enough for him to be concussed. I agree. And what, that, what, what I mean by that is that they hit, they touched pretty good. They touched rather hard. Eh? But I think the whole helmet-to-helmet rule was created or meant to, you know, be there as a rule um, for leading with your helmet, leading with the crown, um, and targeting other people's heads, right? And that was, at least in my understanding, why they put that rule in place. There's no way, unless this is where the NFL is going, and this is what they're trying to do, which is eliminate any helmet-to-helmet contact, I think that's impossible. I really do. I mean, so then on the offensive line, when the defense fires out and their helmets touch, is that a flag? When a running back is getting ready to tackle, get tackled, and he puts his head down um, to try to run over somebody, and their helmets touched. Is that a flag? I mean, this is where I think we're getting to the point of ridiculousness. If you watch the play, he led with his shoulder, and it was shoulder-to-shoulder hit. When their body stopped going, their heads leaned in, and they, they, as someone else liked to say, they kissed. Sure, they kissed hard. But it wasn't the intent. There was no intent. And the only other option is blowing up his knees. Now, I don't think that people really want that to happen. I mean, it's happened to him before, right? And this is where I think we're going to get to. And I know that the NFL doesn't care. The NFL would rather you tear somebody's knee out because, again, they can't get sued for that. They're not going to lose money for that. You don't get CTE. From that, you just can't walk right for the rest of your life. But as far as the NFL seems to care, that's better than the alternative. Well, I don't know if Gronk would agree because in the past, when he got his legs taken out and was missed the whole season, he didn't like that either. And I'm sure, even though I <laughs> I heard him, or I shouldn't say I heard him, I read his lips when he looked at his teammate. He says, I don't know where I am. (laughs) I understand that even though not knowing where you are temporarily after getting tackled isn't great. I think he much rather prefer that than having his legs taken out and his knees busted up and potentially never being able to play again. Because the way it stands right now, I fully expect Gronk to be ready for the Super Bowl. Now, 
concussions take, you know, varying times depending on the person, how many you had before, all of that, right? So who knows? But the reality is I believe that Gronk will be in this Super Bowl coming up. So the other really big deal to me in regards to this game was the discrepancies in fouls called, penalties called. One versus, I think, 10 or 11. And the the reality of it is there was a lot of penalties that were marginal. And that's that happens, right? I think that that happens. So that's not really my big gripe. You know, there was a uh, A.J. Bouye um, penalty, a pass interference, you know, on the sideline. Mm, questionable. But when I saw it, I felt like he was all over him, right? I, I felt like, you know, you can't touch a guy that much um, when, you know, the ball's in the air. I, you know, especially when it's just you and him. And, and granted, um, he he sold it. The, the the Patriot receiver, he sold it. I can't think of his name right now. But he, he sold it, flailing his arms and making the scene. And, you know, and that's what you're supposed to do, right? Um, and, and that wasn't necessarily the issue with me. That could have gone either way. The issue I have with all of that, with the discrepancy in fouls or penalties, is the optics afterwards where the referees seem to be starstruck by the Patriots, where they're, you know, hand-wringing and shaking hands and congratulating and doing all of these other things. You're in neutral participant in this whole thing as a referee you give a two shits you know who wins and who doesn't win and when it seems like there is a lopsided amount of calls going towards one team versus the other and then at the end that team that didn't have that many uh, penalties called against it um, wins you guys are going out of your way to handshake and, and congratulate them now again it I get it you're in the midst of greatness. Tom Brady, again, is that dude. Uh, whether you don't like him, I, I'm not a big Tom Brady fan, but God damn, you have to admit that this dude is doing something that I've, I don't know, never seen. Not in football and only really um, in basketball and any other sport by Michael Jordan as far as how clutch he is. And what I mean that it's when it's plays to be made, plays that have to be made, Brady seems to make them. I mean, if you watch that game, you didn't feel good going um, going into the fourth quarter with the Jaguars only up 10 points. I didn't, not rooting for the Jaguars. I felt like, mm, you're going to have to do more than just have that 10-point lead. That 10-point lead in the fourth quarter is not going to stand. I knew that. I felt like they were going to have to do more. And so they they didn't. I was right. And... Tom does what Tom does, you know, and you couple that with last year's Super Bowl, which again, he shouldn't have won. And, but he did. And just like I said before, as bad as the Falcons played, that was also as good as the Patriots played. They did everything right, needed to overcome that deficit. And it was all because of Tom Brady. Because again, they're already out 
um, Edelman. Edelman's not playing. There's their number one wideout. Then they lose Gronk, which is really their number one receiver. So you're down your number one and number two receivers. Dude doesn't even blink. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I watched this guy throw passes to all likes of tight ends. I mean, not tight ends, but to receivers. And and most of them you couldn't name if if you were asked. And besides Gronkowski, there's not really a household name among any of them. But he makes them stars. He makes them all stars, whether they're the running backs, it doesn't matter. Whether they're the, I mean, they get castaway, you know, receivers that nobody even wants. The only person <laughs> that he didn't make a star when they came to New England was Chad Johnson. <laughs> Go figure. Chad Johnson was a star already, goes to New England and can't do shit. I don't get it, but I digress. But with that being said, um, that game was typical Patriots, typical Tom Brady, and is, um, you know, as an Eagle fan, very concerning because I don't know what you do to, to it's like a damn walking dead zombie. I don't know what you do to stop this guy. Um, what amount of points are needed to, you know, be ahead going into the fourth quarter to make it stick. You know I mean? It's just, it's, it's uncanny. The, what, you know, the, the way he continuously does this. Uh, here's a fun fact for you guys. Um, out of, I think 16 years he's been in the league. He's been in the AFC championship 12 times. 12 times. So 75% of his career, he takes his team to the AFC championship. And now you have to remember there was a season he missed too. So it's really a, probably a little bit higher technically than that. Um, but that's that's unconscionable. That doesn't even make sense. Nobody else in our Lifetime. I don't know, you know, the demographics of everybody out there listening, listening, but we we haven't seen anything like this, and so the Jaguars they had them, but then it, what happened was they 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 got is it puckered up? I don't know. Did they did their butt cheeks clench up a little bit? Because this is what I saw early on. They were doing run pass options. They were using the pass as an extension of the run. And that's great. I mean, if you get four or five yards on a pass on first down, that's that's great. That's like a five-yard run. You'll take that all day, every day. And they were doing that, and they were doing it effectively for the whole first half. And even, well, not the whole first half, because they started in the in the end of the second quarter with this let's just pound the ball type of mentality on first and second down, and then if we don't get anything, then we're going to leave it to Blake um, to try to do something on third down. Blake Bortles ain't that dude. He hadn't been. I mean, he was good up until that point. He was making plays, but that was because the offense was unpredictable. You were you were switching it up. You were inconsistent. You were passing on first down sometimes. You were running on first down. You were passing on second down. You were running on second down. But when they got to the point where they're going to pound the ball into the middle of the line on first and second down, that was the Jaguars' demise. 
And I called it when it happened. And then they come on the third quarter. They start to get, you know, back into that rhythm again of, hey, well, let's, you know, let's just switch it up. Let's not stay consistent. I think that's the thing with the Patriots. If you consistently do any one thing, they're going to figure it out. You cannot stay consistent. You have to be ADD with your play calling. You have to. Otherwise, Belichick, has he's, he's too smart for it at this point. Brady is, if you give him too much, too many opportunities, he's going to eat you up. And then this is what else I saw. And I don't, I can't explain it. Where you have arguably two of the best cornerbacks in Ramsey and Bouye in the league, you start playing soft coverage against Tom Brady. Um, am I the only one who's ever seen this guy play before? I mean, it seemed like nobody on the Jaguars had because I know that if you play that kind of defense against Tom Brady, he's going to eat you up. And that's just, and that's what he did. He picked them apart. It wasn't, I mean, if it wasn't for the fumble by Mills, you know, the, the forced fumble by Mills and a, um, a drop pass, um, I can't even think of his name now, um, by the Patriot receiver, they, it wouldn't even have took that long for them to overcome the Jaguars, and it would have, they would probably have scored two more times, to tell you the truth. But those two big plays happened, and the Jaguars still couldn't do anything to capitalize and extend the lead and give themselves some breathing room. And not doing so, we all saw it. We all saw it coming. Slow, painful death. We knew it was going to happen. The only people who, I don't think anybody thought that they weren't going to do it. I think the Jaguars, even at that point, felt like we're not doing enough. And the defense is getting tired, and they weren't getting pressure. You have to get pressure on Brady. Again, the only times Brady has really not been Brady is when he's gone up against defenses that consistently put pressure on him and are in his face, not giving him time. That's the only way that you're going to beat this guy. That's the only way. And so they did it for the most part of the game. But in the second half, they ran out of gas. They changed up their scheme. They want to start playing the zone and backing up off of the receivers. And I don't know why, because he only had one. He only had one receiver at that point. And um, it's, it's just, to me, bad coaching on the Jaguars, not necessarily having been there before. They didn't react the way they should have. And you end up with the outcome you end up with. All right, so enough about that game. Obviously, I was wrong, and I'll admit it. The second game of the night was my Eagles against the Minnesota Vikings. And granted, you know, the game started off kind of like I thought it would, you know, um, Minnesota's offense. And, and that's not really what I thought. I thought that not necessarily Minnesota's, Minnesota's offense would be too much for the Eagles' defense because I believe in this Eagles' defense. I just didn't believe in Nick Foles being able to beat the number one defense, you know, um, but boy, did he. And I think that Doug Peterson deserves a lot of credit for this because what I've noticed is that he's kind of done what they did to Cam in his MVP year. You know, when Cam 
was like, oh, yeah, we're going to put you and make you a, a, they were like, we're going to make you a drop back pocket quarterback and we're going to do this and do that. Mm, not so much. That's not Cam Newton's strengths. So what do you do? You start going with the run pass options. You do, you know, designated run plays. You do things that he's good at. And I think what Doug Peterson has done is found out what Nick Foles is really good at. And it's these run pass option plays. And if you're not familiar with it, it's basically he is at the beginning of the play, according to what the defensive line does, he has the ability to hand it off or keep it. And there's also pass options, you know, as far as routes that are downfield, if he does decide to keep it. And in doing this, I think that he's found Nick Foles' strength. And it showed. The dude was money. The dude was money. He ate that defense up, and they had no answer. And it's hard for me to say that because it is Nick Foles, right? But it was clear. And after that first touchdown, are you talking about 38 unanswered points? When does that ever happen? It it doesn't, you know. And the – it happened last night, and, you know, it was – it was a beauty of a game to watch. It was, you know, as an Eagles fan, as good of experience that I've had in a long time. Because whether we win this Super Bowl or not, even though it is a, a matchup, a rematch of the 2004 Super Bowl, um, I'm, I'm excited because I believe we're playing with house money. It really doesn't matter. Getting to the Super Bowl with Nick Foles is an accomplishment in itself. Now, playing with house money, the underdog role, it's Philadelphia. They, they, they have a statue of a mythological underdog that they love and that they love and that they love. It's Rocky. So this is right where I think we need to be. The underdogs playing with house money um, with nothing to lose. With a, oh, let me remind you, toting one hell of a defense as well. Because can we, are we better than Jacksonville? I don't know. You know, I don't know front four wise, but I know we're damn good with Fletcher Cox and Curry and um, Barnett, my rookie. You know, I think that we have the tools. We have the pieces, the, our linebacking core. I think we're solid. I think our our secondary, which coming into the season was a, the big question mark, has stepped up. I think getting Darby. I think you know the we have the pieces to match up with that offense because again, I don't think that the Patriots offense has a ton of weapons. They just got Tom Brady, right? And so I went over two, but again, I think that that game. Far less to talk about because it was a complete and utter ass whooping from that second drive interception on. That turned the floodgates, and then it, it was time. And it and then they never looked back, and Minnesota never recovered. So not making any picks. Obviously, you guys are assuming that I'm going to pick the Eagles. I told you, I keep it real. So I don't know just yet. And we got a couple of weeks before we get there. So I'm not making my picks until next week. But that leads me to Tom Brady, back to him. I believe that because of everything I said about Tom Brady before, 
there is something else going on. And I don't know what it is. Did he make a pact with the devil? I mean, just think of it. You know I mean, look at his life. What in his life has gone wrong? What missteps has he ever made? I mean, the guy went from being a six-round draft pick, and I remember that combine. I remember, you know, because that's when the combine was something to watch. I, he didn't look that great. When he was at Michigan, he looked okay. I never would have imagined that he would be somebody that I would compare to Michael Jordan. But that's exactly where he's at. He's on that level. And if you, if you say he isn't, you're just being, you know, a hater. The dude is as clutch as it can be. I mean, if you just look at some of those throws, I mean, they were on the money. I mean, he, when he needed to, he did it. And it seems like that's always been his M.O. And I don't know, you know, did he make a pact with the devil? Did he, or is he just highly favored? You know what I mean? Who knows, right? But I would I would hope it was the, the former and not the latter because at the end of the game, the Eagles game, the first thing Nick Foles says is, I want to give all glory to God. So I think what we have here is the, ultimate battle of light versus dark. I have good versus evil. And we all know how that outcome ends. It may not always look like it's going to be in favor of one team, the right team, but we all know how that ends. So with that being said, let's go Eagles. But hey, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I feel like he's done something. I feel like, you know, you, where you guys are like, oh, you know, some people do steroids. I mean, the guy is 40 years old. He played in a Super Bowl in 2004 against the Eagles. And he was already, you know what I mean? He had already been around the block. You know what I mean? And to now, he's still playing. There's no one else <laughs> that played in that game that is probably even still in the league. But yet he is. And not only is he still in the league, He's still the best. So I don't know how you explain it other than some, you know, cult-like pact that he made with the dark side. All right. Speaking of the dark side, there is a dark side of being a fan. And it it kind of showed its head. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen any of the videos of, of the – and I, that, that, that snicker wasn't me laughing at the situation. It was laughing at, damn, how did this happen, of – Minnesota Vikings fans getting beat up, getting full cans of beer thrown at them, um, you know, being dragged off, bloody faced. You know, I mean, it just if you were a Minnesota Viking fan there, you were at risk. It was like being a crip walking through a blood neighborhood in broad daylight and all blue. And we all know how that ends. Right. And it's not well. And it didn't end well for Minnesota Vikings fans. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm not condoning it. But this is the thing. Just like that crip walking through that neighborhood, you have to understand the dangers that you do. I mean, that the dangers that you're in when you do that. I don't understand why fans feel like they have the right to wear their colors in other people's hoods and not expect 
uh, some sort of reaction. Well, it all started with the desecration, and I'm going to say that word, the defacing of Rocky. They put some old Minnesota Vikings, purple and gold stuff all over Rocky, and you just don't do that. What that did is that made, I don't know who did it, because the people who probably did it, those weren't probably the ones that got beat up or the beer thrown at them or, or anything. But what they did is they made every other Minnesota Viking fan a target. And you saw how it ended. And again, we... There's, there's people, there's places, right, that you know that you, this doesn't, you don't do this, right? And, I, and I'm going to tell you, it's damn near every stadium. You want to just limit it to places like Oakland or Philadelphia or Cincinnati or, you know, Boston, you know, um, th- that's not it. You know what I mean? Where these fans are fanatical, that's not it. Cleveland, it, it's not that at all. It's anywhere. I'll give you a quick story. I have a personal reference to this. I have a relative, lifelong Denver Bronco fan, loves the Broncos, right? When we were living in California, Broncos come to town. They're playing the Raiders in Oakland. Says he's going to the game with some friends. And he's the only Bronco fan. And I tell him, listen, if you go, don't, don't do, don't be that crip. Come on, man. Don't do it, right? And, you know, you got a watch that, you know, has a Bronco face on it. If you want to represent, go ahead and wear that. You know what I mean? Because it'll be hard to detect that. You know what I mean? That's, that's really not flagging too hard. Mm-mm. Think he listened? No. He had a John Elway jersey, Terrell Davis jersey. He's switching jerseys. You know what I mean? He, he's so geeked up. He's got multiple outfits that he wants to flag. Long story short, next day I talked to him. And he sounds like, hey, what's up, man? They got him. It wasn't even in the black hole. He didn't even have to get that far. And my point being is, is when you are in enemy territory, you have to understand the consequences of your actions. And so, yeah, in a, in a great world, right, and it sucks, right, that you can't go to a sporting event with your family and represent the team that you like if you are a visitor. I get that. That sucks. But guess what? Life ain't fair. So get over it. Stop acting as if it is. Bottom line is, if you know that this is how it goes down, you better act accordingly or be prepared for the consequences. And don't tell me I don't want to hear anything afterwards if you decide that you're not going to heed common sense and you're going to go ahead and say, well, this is the way it should be. I should be allowed to wear this. I should be allowed to do this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should be. But that ain't reality. The reality is if you go to Philadelphia rocking the other team's gear after you do something to the Rocky statue, you might get fucked up regardless of who you are, regardless if you're doing anything at all. That is the reality. And that's what reality ended up happening for a few Minnesota Vikings fans. And and I'm sorry to say it. And again, I'm not condoning it, but I think you need to understand reality and operate within it. Not necessarily a fantasy of the way the world should be. If we all acted in that manner, 
what kind of world would it be if we were just all acting as if, oh, well, this is the way the world should be, but it's not. You know what I mean? I feel like I should be able to drive on either side of the road, but I can't. So come on, fans. Let's not sit there and, and sure, the Eagles fans are at fault, but I believe there's some responsibility on the fans of the Vikings. So are you not going to enjoy the game if you don't have a jersey on for the Vikings or a hat or a beanie or representing them at all? I mean, first off, who are you doing it for? Do you think that the the players see you? Do you think that they or, or that gives them some sort of motivation that they see you in the crowd? No. All you're doing is putting a target on your back. So stop. And that's my PSA in regards to that. Ah, all righty. We're next up. My guy, LeBron. So obviously, um, recently, the uh, Cavaliers have been losing their ass off. I mean, like 14 out of 18 games or 12 out of 16. I, I, they, I forget the number, but they haven't been winning a lot lately. And even more recently, they gave up 148 points in regulation, four quarters, not overtime, not none of that. I mean, that in the 80s, when they used to score a lot of points, that was hard to do. When they used to average 122 points, 148 was hard to do. In an all-star game, 148 is hard to do. But that's what they did. And then after the game, LeBron had the the comment, passive aggressive comment of saying, "Well, I hope that it, you know, nothing happens to Tyron Lou." Huh? You hope that what what wh- why are you bringing up Tyron Lou, bro? I mean, I, I get it. Sometimes people, when you go through these streaks, they, they look for a scapegoat. But, but why are you bringing up Lou? Because I feel like you are looking for someone else to be the blame. And I can tell you, LeBron is on my fantasy team. And he ain't been lighting it up. He ain't been averaging the, what he was averaging early in the season as far as getting me my points. So he hasn't been playing at the same level. And I know that there's going to be a, you know, a transition period with Isaiah coming back, Isaiah Thomas coming back into the fold and trying to work him into the, to the, the whole rotation and team aspect and everybody having to figure out where everybody's going to fit in now that he's there. But come on, man. You got Tyron Lue the job after you got the last coach fired. Now you're going to try to passively aggressive bring up his name like somehow he's on the hot seat when that really isn't the case. You know what I mean? How he's a championship coach, NBA championship winning coach. Someone would say, oh, well, he didn't have to do anything, and LeBron is really the coach. Well, then LeBron should be fired then, if that's the case. If, if LeBron's really the coach, why are you going to fire Lou? You know what I'm saying? That doesn't make any sense. So people, they get me all worked up with this nonsense as in how you deal with LeBron. Oh, well, you know, Lou is nothing because LeBron really is the coach. Well, then why would you fire Lou if LeBron is really the coach? And if he's not... 
then Lou has some credit for getting them to that championship and helping them win, right? Come on. You can't have it both ways, folks. But my point was, LeBron, what are you doing? Why are we at this again? Why are you bringing up the possibility of coaches getting fired? I feel like LeBron is low-key a coach killer. And I know that sounds like, how can LeBron be a coach killer? Because it is. He is. If you don't win with LeBron, quick. It's, you're not long for. And the only one who was different was Spolstra, and that was because Pat Riley said, I'm not going through that shit. You're not going to dictate to me. You're not going to manage my organization and tell me who's going to coach and who's not. He's the coach. You're going to fucking fall in line, and you're going to do what he says. And because of that, Spolstra's still there. But that's because they had a strong front office like Pat Riley. Other organizations, no other organization has a Pat Riley running it, really. So I, I just feel like, LeBron, please stop. Please stop. Let's not bring up Tyron Lue anymore and his, his friggin' status as the coach and his security. Let's just, let's just move on, LeBron. Nothing to see here. All right, and so wrapping it up, let me just go ahead and, and, and just give you a little preview of what I think about this Super Bowl. I think what we have here is, like I said, good versus evil. Obviously, the Eagles are the good. The Patriots are the evil. And what is going to be the biggest factors leading up to this game? Obviously, health. Tom Brady had stitches in his hand. Didn't seem to bother him, so I don't even care about that. It's really more about whether or not Gronk and Edelman um, are going to be available for the Super Bowl. I say if they're not, the Eagles have a hell of a shot at winning this game. And then the secondly is can Doug Peterson continue to keep teams off balance? Can Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith, Aguilar, you know, Ertz, all these guys continue to step up and make plays because I think as far as weapons are concerned, if you look at it, the Eagles have... I hate to say it, they have more weapons than the Patriots on offense and on defense. But that doesn't always matter because they didn't make a pact with the devil. Brady did. And because of it, you're going to have to exercise some demons. You're going to have to bring a priest. You're going to have to bring God with you. And I hope that... Foles' belief is strong enough that he can do it. I, I really do. But is if you know if you you just by what I just said, you might think, oh yeah, he's going. You know, he thinks that the Eagles are going to win, and I I think that they have a shot. I've just talked myself into it because I just I, you know breaking it down. They have the they I think have the decided edge on defense. I think they have a much better defense than the Patriots, and I feel like they have more weapons. The place in which is the biggest question mark, quarterback. Now, if Nick Foles plays like he played last night, the Eagles have action. If the Eagles can put pressure on Brady, they have action. So we'll see. 
We got two weeks to talk about it. We got two weeks to break it down. And I'll give you more of an in-depth preview next week. But, hey, that's my time. I appreciate you guys for hanging out. So, listen, on the, the first podcast, I was mistaken. The email is not what I told you, right? That email was already taken. My bad. And with being having ADD, I actually jumped the gun and gave you an email address before I actually created it. So what? The real email is T-A-D-D-S-T-S at gmail.com. Standing for the ADD Sports Talk Show at gmail.com. So send me your topics. Send me your feedback. Let me know what you think. And then I'll holler at you guys next week. I appreciate you tuning in. And until next time, peace.